It's now time for the Marlins to cash in on all of their early work. They are two games over 500 right now, heading into June. Yes, sir. The schedule really, really opens up. Can the Marlins cash in, put some, put some wins on the board in the next couple of weeks throughout June, put themselves in a really strong position heading into July? Going to dig into all of that. Today's Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you're listening to the pod, hit subscribe. Of course, this is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. As you can see, it's UK friendly right now. It's still sunny outside. I'm hitting record before I head over to the airport. Yes, sir. Heading over to Paris. This afternoon, this evening, ready for a day at the French Open at Roland Garros tomorrow. Looking forward to that one. So, teasing it out right now. No episode tomorrow, guys. No episode on Wednesday. I apologize for that. Um, but I'll be back. Normal schedule on Thursday, of course. Um, there is a YouTube channel, guys. Don't forget that as well for those listening in the podcast form. Head over to there. Hit subscribe. Also, you will see the graphics, the agenda. Everything is here that you need. Nevertheless, let's get right into it, guys. This is going to be a relatively fast-paced episode because I've got to get the cab. I've got to get out of here. <laughs> but as I sit here right now, I'm excited. I am excited about this position that the Marlins have got themselves in. They're sitting here two games over 500. They are second in the division. The Mets and Phillies behind them, kind of stumbling along. Um, the Marlins have had a real... You know, they're back off a three-city West Coast road trip. They've had a tough schedule to start the year, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's time for the Marlins now to cash in on all of the hard work they've done. They're about to get healthier. Jesus Sanchez on his way back. We know that. Avicel Garcia will be heading back soon. The offense has been humming the past couple of weeks. But also, there's some, there's some guys back and on the way, which is encouraging. The rotation feels settled. The bullpen has been nails all year, all year long and continues to show that. So now is the time for the fish. They've been hanging tough, really, really hanging tough the first couple of months. Now is the time to cash in. Can the team turn all, you know, all of the, the positive vibes into wins against teams they should beat? And listen, the Padres, they, aren't, they haven't had a great start. The Padres, are, you know, series starts today, this evening. We'll look forward to that one. What we have to say is the Padres right now, shockingly, some would say, are 24 and 29. Five games under 500. The Padres, yes, the Padres. They're fourth in the division. They were supposed to be winning this division. The Dodgers were supposed to be cooked. The Padres were supposed to run away with it. All this offensive talent. Xander Bogarts is in there. Juan Soto's still there. Manny Machado. It goes on and on and on and on. Fernando Tatis is back as well. The Padres, what's happened? Too many individuals, not enough of a team effort. I don't know. I haven't watched any Padres baseball thus far. So I'm interest, intrigued and interested to see what they are like. Um, and we, they shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't underestimate the Padres. Yes, they are under 500 right now, but the talent um, is not indicative. <laughs> the record is not indicative of the talent on this roster. 
<laughs> if Kim Ang was the GM of the Padres, that's what she would be saying. I'm certain of that. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting series. Sandy Alcantara is going to set the tone um, and, and go in game one, which we're excited to see. They got a lefty going, uh, Weathers going uh, for the Padres. So lefties against uh, the Marlins. I feel like the Marlins are performing better this year. So that's an interesting opportunity. Blake Snell will be going in game two. Uh, Snell, you ready for this now? He, he is one and six on the year with a 5.04 ERA. Blake Snell kind of struggling. He struggled for land. He's always struggled for land, but Snell also struggling with production. 5.04 ERA, one and six on the year. Braxton Garrett going against him was one and two with a 4.5 ERA. And then UK friendly extravaganza, Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove, ready, ready for this one too? Five. 64 ERA, two and two for the year, going against Jesus Lazaro. Listen, the Marlins pitching lines up nicely for this series. The Padres, whilst they offensively may be okay, may still be good. Pitching, based on these ERA numbers, does not sound good. They must have a problem with the starting pitching. Can this Marlins offense, which is heated right up, can it do the damage in this series? Interested to see what the move is for Jesus Sanchez to get him back on the roster. Yeah, he is expected back. We'll wait to see on that one. Is it Hampson? Is it Xavier Edwards? I personally think Xavier Edwards is the most obvious, uh, I guess, option. Who knows if the Marlins go a different direction? Who knows? Like, they're in win-now mode. This is the time to cash in. And they need to keep riding the hot sticks. Just try to leverage all of the hard work they've put in. But after the Padres series, what else is on deck? And this is where, again, like we shouldn't underestimate the Padres. They're expected to win, what, 90 games this year? They've had a slow start. Pitching started sluggish. But, you know, we know how this goes. And teams can turn at any time. The Marlins stay at home then. They welcome the Oakland Athletics. They currently sit at 11 and 45. If the Marlins don't win that series, then things have gone drastically wrong in that series. They have to win that series. They'll be targeting a sweep. As I record this right now, the Athletics, they played the Braves yesterday. Big news, Michael Soroka making his comeback uh, for the Braves after multiple years out. Kind of a Sixto Sanchez situation, albeit it wasn't an arm injury um, for, uh, for for Soroka, I guess. It was a, an Achilles issue from back in the day. Um, but they welcomed him back thinking, hey, here we go. Michael Soroka going against the A's. Easy dub. No, the A's won. That's baseball, right? But the A's coming to town. And then straight off the back of that, so no off days in between here, the Kansas City Royals come into town as well for another three games. So three, three-game series, all at home, all against teams under or significantly under 500. What can the Marlins do in this stretch? Could they go seven and two? Could it be a seven and two, a six and three? I mean, six and three for me would be good, a good outcome. I think, do you dare to dream for more? You know me, I'm an optimist. I'm do, I'm dreaming for more. Could this be an eight and one stretch? Could it be eight and one? I mean, if it's two and seven, boy, oh boy, that would be, um, you know, <laughs> the team could go into a tailspin there. But I'm just looking at this right now as we're setting up here and just thinking, I just can't see how this team with the, with the sticks heating up, the rotation healthy, pitching better than it's done all year, the bullpen's still doing its thing, and more sticks being added into the mix. I just can't see how this team cannot have a positive record and a positive win-loss situation in these nine games. I just can't see it. And I think there's an opportunity here 
for them to put some significant distance in. A 7-2 and two homestand. I could certainly see that. They have to play well against the Padres and set the tone, but it's certainly possible. After that, this is the other thing too, right? This is why I'm saying it isn't just this period. It's pretty much June. They then go back on the road, which is always tougher, right? And they then go to Chicago to face the White Sox. And the White Sox, slow start. They feel like they're, they're eking it, it back a touch. So, again, we shouldn't underestimate those guys. 22 and 34 as we record this right now. Three-game series there against the White Sox. Then they carry on it to Seattle. So, again, another tough road trip there. Up to Chicago, across to Seattle. Um, and, you know, the Mariners, again, they've, they've started okay. Two games over 500 as we record this. Um, they're a good, good club, but haven't really set the world alight there out in the AL West. And that division looks tough now with the Rangers that have emerged. So the Mariners need to keep the pedal down. Then finally, there's an off day. And then it's it's on the road, still on the road. So another three-city road trip. But in Washington, we've just seen the Marlins swept uh, the Nats there. Um, and so they finished the road trip there. Chicago, Mariners, Nats, three-city road trip. You know, all of these all of these series, the Marlins could and should be favored to win the series. They could and should. So once you get to the back end of June here, start to think if the Marlins have played well in both of these, you know, the homestand for, for nine, on the road for nine, 18 games, what could they go? Could they go, I don't know, 12 and six? 13 and five? All of a sudden you've got, you know, you're looking at 10 games over 500 in that situation. Am I too am I too optimistic? I don't think so. The Marlins are playing some good ball. The offensive numbers are standing up. You look up and down this lineup, there's six guys there with an OPS that's above league average. You're starting to get some of the guys at the bottom of the order heating up. You've got role players that can that can contribute. I wouldn't say there's any passengers right now. No true passengers in this lineup where you think that's that. Okay, I know some people will say Jacob Stallings, but maybe. Maybe Stallings is the only one, but if Fortes is getting a bit more playing time, I don't see any passengers for this Marlins, this Marlins offense, which is wild. It feels very different, very different. Can they stay healthy, though? Because we got into a similar spot last year where things were trending in kind of the right direction. We're better than we were last year, no doubt, but then the injuries came in bunches and they could never find a way to flip the script back on that. That's going to be the question, but I'm just sitting here thinking I'm as optimistic as I've ever been as a Marlins fan about any stretch, this homestand, nine games at home, I think the Marlins can go seven and two in that in this home show. I really can. I can see them absolutely piling up the dubs led by the offense. Just imagine that. <laughs> um, let's talk about our good friends over at FanDuel before we carry on here. Let's get the graphics pumped, firstly for those that are watching anyway. Um, and guys, listen, it's it's NBA playoff time now, guys. I mean, boy, oh boy, how about that heat? Game seven winners. Whew. They, they, <laughs> they really tested everyone's nerves. I know that. Saw it on Twitter yesterday. Just everyone just sweating up. Everyone panicking. Um, no need to panic, though. They head over to the NBA finals, yes, sir. And it's time for you to make a fast break to FanDuel. Uh, because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. Yes, sir, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place 
to bet all of the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Glorious, glorious, glorious. How about those heat? Boy, oh boy, Jimmy Butler season. I absolutely love Jimmy Butler. I think me and Jimmy Butler would get on really well. Like, we like our sports. We like our wine. There's a lot of there's a lot of mutual things there between me and Jimmy, no doubt. Um, let's briefly touch on the news that dropped overnight of Nick Enright, which caught me off guard this morning. It kind of almost slipped, you know, because the Marlins weren't playing yesterday. Um, and the Heat were, you know, Twitter's kind of like fully engrossed in that, which as it should be. Um, somehow in, in you know the transactions page and a couple of people reporting it back end of the evening that Nick Wright had been DFA'd. Nick Wright obviously was a rule five pick, um, has had some, you know, he's been battling back from some health issues uh, and looks to be on the right track, which is great to see. Um, so the Marlins decided DFA and Wright, uh, he was on the 60-day IL, so I'm not totally clear on the reasons for making this move now, why now, what it means, but more broadly, because he was a Rule 5 guy, he he can he'll go on to waivers. Other teams can claim him and then carry him in the usual way, uh, linked to Rule Five rules. Um, or the Marlins can negotiate uh, with the club that he was drafted from and uh, and and find a way to keep him and maybe outright him down into AAA, whatever it might be. So disappointing situation for a guy that um, clearly the Marlins thought could be a piece uh, of this bullpen this year. Obviously, if you pick him in the Rule Five draft, you're expecting him. To, to contribute at the big league level. Um, those health concerns and challenges, scary situation, have worked themselves out. So firstly, we have to say that's a fat dub um, generally and you know, wishing him all the best as he, as he moves forward here with his career. It may still be with the Marlins organization. But I think just in general, as he's kind of working his way back, uh, potentially the, the Marlins uh, have seen a few other guys maybe ascend into the bullpen and thinking, actually, we want to keep things in the status quo as is. We want to just keep rolling with it, which in some ways is kind of surprising because the bullpen has been you know so heavily taxed along the way. But at the same time, with with a guy like Enright, you know, and being a Rule 5 guy, he needs to just be on the roster kind of at all times. And it feels like the Marlins' back end of the pen is pretty settled now. And then you're kind of, you know, Brazaban and Hoeing have, have found their roles as well. I think it's just one of them where the, the role maybe was there at the start of the year and has now kind of disappeared. And the Marlins, clearly, they're happy with the pen. And so they've just, you know, carried on as is. So we'll wait to see what happens there on that news. Um, as I also put out yesterday, I'm intrigued to see you know, what the Marlins started to look and consider about for, for upgrades more generally. And I think catcher is one of the most obvious situations, just organizationally with catcher, because, you know, there's not a ton of depth up and down the organization. Uh, it's clear that the Jacob Stalling situation uh, will will likely end uh, and his, his time with the organization likely end at some point in 2023. It could be sooner rather than later. It could be at the back end of the year. I just don't see the Marlins continue to carry Stallings into 24. So they now need to start asking themselves, okay, Nick Fortes, how do we feel? Uh, but equally, what? how do we feel about other guys in the organization? And do we need to look to try and add some, some depth via trade uh, along the way? And I think that's an interesting part, an interesting discussion topic 
as I started to think about that yesterday and started to get into what catching options are available, fundamentally, the top dudes in the main are all on clubs that are in, in the hunt and, and competing um, or on long-term deals. It's fair to say, um, you know, Sal Perez, I think, is the one obvious one that that, that isn't in that situation. But he's he's owed, what, $60 million plus? Um, it's 20 million a year. It feels too rich for the Marlins. It really does. So I feel like the money kind of puts him out of contention for someone that the Marlins would be interested in. Other clubs, maybe. I'm intrigued to see the way the Royals play that one uh, more generally. But as you start to look into it, a guy that really pops and is most obvious uh, is the guy that we saw you know last week in 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 course and Diaz, Elias Diaz. Um, it was you know an absolute thorn in the side to to the Marlins all series long. Yes, you can point to his numbers at cause and and look elsewhere and think, you know, you know, is he just a cause only guy? Clearly, the environment helps, right? But as I look at the guy, he's got a year and a half of control. He's owed six or so million next year. Like you got to look at this through the lens of a Marlins organization, and we know how they operate. They're not gonna trade for Sal Perez on twenty million a year. It's just too much. It's too rich. A guy on six million a year? Absolutely, that's more. That's more the market that the Marlins are are shopping in, and so with a year and a half remaining, he's hitting pretty well. Um, you know, for me, he's the most obvious trade candidate in a Rockies club that may or may not be in the hunt this year. I feel like it's a, the, the Rockies. You, you never can read what they're going to do. They seem to make some of the wackiest decisions out there in baseball, to be honest with you. And so, who knows? They'll probably give him another fifty million extension um, when they're. 40 games under 500 this year, and you go, okay, the Rockies making moves, but he's an obvious candidate. I do also think Yang Gomes is an interesting uh, opportunity as well. The Cubs have, have had a real, they started hot and then have really flamed since. Uh, I think there's a few players at the Cubs. Clearly, Cody, Cody Ballinger remains one of them um, that, you know, is a trade candidate for the Cubs, but equally, Yang Gomes is also one. He's a player that I've always admired at his time in Washington. It felt like he always hit well against the Marlins. Um, and for me, I think Jan Gomes could really, really fit the brief here um, for the Marlins. I actually haven't looked at his um, contract situation, so I'll quickly do that on the fly and see um, see where he's up to. Because I think he signed a two-year deal um, with the Cubs. Yeah, it looks like he did. So two-year deal, $13 million. Um, So yeah, it's going to be in a similar situation to Diaz. It's a club option, actually, for next year uh, at $6 million. Again, so you could, you could make a move for Gomes. <laughs> And also, you then have the club option at a at a dollar value that the Marlins can afford. In effect, like Stallings is probably at that number anyway. So, I think that's a really interesting one as well. I'd say either of those two guys to me makes sense. Someone else mentioned Tyler Stevenson at the Reds. The problem with him is he's not even at arbitration yet, and so like a club that is starting to try and trend back upwards is probably not the time for them to be selling. Um, uh, you know, a, a player that looks to be pretty good um, at a position that's generally pretty scarce. And so I'd be surprised if Stevenson is the type of guy that, that would be moved by a club that is maybe it's approaching its comp- more competitive window, let's say. And listen, when you're in the central, you, you've always got a competitive window, perhaps some would say, but I think that's a little bit unfair. So I, I do see the Marlins, I mean, you know, we talked about it a while now. I do see them making a move in the catching market I, the market i don't think is that deep to be honest with you i think those two names that i've mentioned are the most likely to be moved um the cubs 
yeah, like I mentioned, things have gone sideways a touch for them already. How early do they sell? Who knows? The Rockies, who again, who knows? And do you trust um, Diaz's numbers outside of cause? Yeah, I think it's a legitimate concern. I think, you know, we saw that. I remember with Nick Castellanos looking at his numbers at Great American Ballpark and, and on the road, and there was a clear disparity. He went to the Phillies, and okay, he's kind of struggled. struggled last year. He's kind of found his way again this year, which is interesting. But overall, guys, we're going to call it a day there. 20-minute breezy pod before I head over to the airport in Manchester. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Fundamentally, guys, this is the time for the Marlins to cash in. They've done all of the hard work. Um, the offense is trending. The rotation is trending also, to be honest with you. Let's see if the Marlins can win series that they're expected to win. A bit like the Nats series recently when they swept the Nats. They were expected to win it, and they handled their business. Can this year's Marlins, the 2023 Marlins, can they handle their business against the Padres, against the A's, against the Royals? If they can, there's a chance they could really put some, you know, put some separation between that 500 mark six, seven, eight games over 500, heading into the middle of June. If so, that will give Kim, the front office, and everyone the confidence and the boost that they can go for it this year. They can go for it, and they have a legitimate chance of making the postseason. This isn't just, can we play 500 ball? It isn't. This isn't about playing 500 ball. This is about making the postseason. It's postseason or bust. That is the true barometer of success. For me, 500 is a nonsense if you're outside of the postseason. The Marlins fan base, the Marlins ownership wants to see postseason baseball. If they play well throughout June, they have the confidence to add to this roster where needed if they can make make some deals. And listen, I, I talked about on Twitter, Kim Ang is one of the best traders in the game right now. Truly is. His record is stunning in trades. And I don't, you know, if there's a deal to be made, Kim will make it, and it will likely be a fat dub for the Marlins. If their record is at a level where they can add rather than sell, because there's a few guys that they could sell, Jorge Soler, Garrett Cooper, Dylan Floro, guys that could be sold if things go sideways. Let's hope that the record says we cannot sell anyone, and all we will do is look to add and add more quality and depth for a postseason run in 2023 for the Marlins. I appreciate everyone joining me and making Lockdown Marlins your first listen of the day. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday, as I mentioned. Until then, enjoy the show. Go Marlins. I'll see you soon.